Hello, and welcome back to this week's episode of Lit AF with me, your host, Sarah Cohan. As always, I'm so excited to be back here with you this week, serving up awesome conversations about personal and spiritual growth. I'm doing a shimmy shoulder shake right now. You can't see it, but it feels good. (laughs) Welcome back. I'm so excited about today's guest. Her name is Lindsay Mack. She has been an incredible teacher on my own journey of both learning tarot, but then also I would say personal growth in general. I think she goes far beyond just tarot and really incorporates using the tarot as a tool to learn more about yourself and get in touch with personal growth tools that are available to you. Oh my gosh. And she just like doing her rewilding the tarot course, online course has been incredible for my own spiritual journey and connecting with my guides and really rewilding, which she talks about in the course of um, my own thoughts and being and identity and relationship with self. Because this idea is really about getting in touch with who you are and who you were born as and who you're meant to be without all the conditioning and programming and ugh, you know, all that good stuff, all that stuff that we can't ignore. So I'm just going to read her bio. Lindsay Mack, she, they, is a queer, non-binary, femme, intuitive artist, tarot teacher, writer, and the founder of Tarot for the Wild Soul. Lindsay is the creator of Soul Tarot, a radical reinterpretation and intentional utilization of the tarot as a helping tool. One that can assist us in differentiating the noise of our mind from the truth of our soul. She's also a mentor to entrepreneurs, creatives, artists, and business owners who are seeking to pivot into intuitively led spirit guided service. Through her online courses, workshops, and retreats, Lindsay has had the profound honor of teaching nearly 10,000 students from around the world. She's also the host of Tarot for the Wild Soul podcast, which explores the cards through an inclusive, non-predictive, trauma-informed perspective rooted in compassion, common sense, and critical thinking. It has been downloaded over 5.5 million times since its launch in 2017. As a joyful survivor of child abuse, complex PTSD, and chronic pain and illness, Lindsay is passionately dedicated to honoring and helping to bring space, light, and healing to those who are experiencing mental and emotional or physical suffering. It was the healing from a breakdown in 2014 that fully birthed her into the sacred work and onto her soul path. It is an organic part of her healing work with tarot and her spirit-guided service work. And she is honored to be sharing these offerings to those who feel called to them. Well, I sure did. (laughs) And I sure loved this conversation. So um, stick around. The interview was amazing. So before the interview, of course, I just want to give my weekly check-in. And my weekly check-in is actually just this like cosmic, hilarious, uh, almost joke, it feels like, of being through my anxious spiral, which I've been sharing about week after week. It started in the beginning of Leo season. And it kind of ended actually really at the end of Leo season (laughs) for my birthday. And I know that in this work, I tend to dive deep into the work and just knowing that I'm doing a course or an exercise or learning a new tool, mastering a new tool, that can give me solace that what I'm feeling and experiencing is not permanent. And now that I'm through this anxious spiral, I like, I'm just kind of laughing about how I approached (laughs) the anxiety (laughs) at the beginning (laughs) because I have so many tools. I have so many resources. I know how to go deep. I know how to feel and, and, and express like, I know I have all these tools. And yet when the perfect storm of things, of triggers and trauma and experiences, just even just lights like happen, when that perfect cocktail is made, I can still fall deeply down into stories and beliefs of things that I'm experiencing. So I am just like fully laughing, being on the other side, fully enjoying getting back into the basics. I was joking with someone recently that I'm literally getting back into the basics of my practice, my self-care practice, which to me has been meditating, like silent meditation. I've been doing yoga nidras for months, almost, almost a full year now, every single morning. And I noticed that I was either getting way too distracted during those meditations or falling asleep. 
And so I wasn't getting enough out of them that I needed. So I'm doing, I've gone back to silent meditation with like one bell ringing every minute to kind of bring me back to center. And damn, it's hard, but fuck, it's so good. To me, it feels like eating broccoli. Like it's just so yummy and I feel very clear afterwards. So I've been really enjoying that. And then my nightly journal practice has also gone back to basics. So I'm doing a lot of needs exercises and thought work like belief, thought, emotion, and action work that I really was doing at the beginning of my journey here. So I get away from, I notice that I tend to get away from those practices the more secure I feel. So that's just kind of like a little tip to me to like check in with the basics a little more often than I think I've been doing because they're important and it doesn't mean, I think I was making it mean that um, I had graduated from those, from the basic um, exercises. It's like, I'm never graduating from those. Those basics are basics for a reason. I'm just noticing right now, like how avoidant I'm being in my own practice of like, oh, I am, I'm more experienced than that. And I don't need those anymore. I was like, fuck that. (laughs) Like a simple meditation can sometimes be the hardest thing to do. Getting your brain back to, back to center, back to center, back to center. Oh man, it's a lot. It is a lot. So that is my check-in and I will probably continue to report back on this anxious spiral forever. (laughs) I'm kidding. (laughs) I will continue to report back on this anxious spiral as I learn more and more from it because nothing from it was wasted, not one thing. But when I was in it, it felt so painful. So that's the funny thing about it, isn't it, huh? Yeah. Okay, so for announcements, I'm really excited to share that the uh, Let AF Patreon has the September self-care tool up in the membership, and it is, it's a juicy one. This is one of my favorite exercises to do. It is a shadow work exercise put together by Rachel Besser, who was on the podcast, well, she's been on the podcast a few times, and this is just a series of journal prompts to help you with whatever shadow thing that you may have going on, and what I love about it is that she starts the journal prompt exercise by saying that any trigger that you're experiencing with someone else or in relation to someone else is actually in relationship to yourself. I love that reframe. I love doing shadow work. I try to do shadow work at least once a month, if not more. And every time I do it, it it feels like that yummy meditation where I'm eating my broccoli. (laughs) So if you're interested in joining our Patreon, which I hope you are, please support the show. I would very much appreciate it. You can join at sarahcohan.com forward slash tip jar. That's S-A-R-A-H. C-O-H-A-N dot com forward slash tip jar. And in there you'll find this lovely exercise. So thank you for considering joining. I really appreciate all your support. Thank you to the members that have already joined. My heart is exploding with gratitude for you. I just, I am blown away. I'm so appreciative. So thank you and get ready for some more exciting tools, conversations, self-care practices in that group. It's going to be so fun. All right. Without further ado, let's get into this week's episode. All right. Welcome to the show, Lindsay Mack. I'm so excited to have you here. Uh. It's a dream. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. So today we're going to start off the conversation with a tarot card poll for listeners, the community. Could you tell us a little bit about the deck that you're pulling from? Yes. So this is the Next World Tarot by Christy C. Road. And if you haven't heard of it, I can't recommend it more highly. It's truly just truly one of the most revolutionary, inclusive, forward-thinking decks. It's really a deck for the times that we're living in. There are so many beautifully imaginative, beautifully rooted, beautifully creative reimaginings of the cards. It's just an incredible deck. Yeah, I'm just going to pull 
a card for this community and I'm going to root it in what we're all being invited to offer and devote our attention to right now. Does that mm. feel okay? That feels great. Okay. The lovers. Oh, mm. beautiful. My card. favorite lovers card of all time. The intention I set was that even if someone were to listen to this podcast like years down the road, like wherever anyone finds themselves when they come to this episode, what medicine would be beneficial to them, to me, to you, just inside of the container of this episode? So, the lovers is a pretty big and powerful invitation and actually has nothing at all to do with lovers or partners of romantic love at all, which is kind of a relief. It's great. (laughs) Even if you're partnered and even if you have maybe even something going on in your relationship, like anyone's always welcome to apply it to that. But at its root, at its core, that's not what it's saying. So with the lovers, we have this really potent invitation to think about what we are uncomfortable holding about ourselves. What is beautiful? What's really lovable? What's really special? What is miraculous and delicious about us that feels like it's a little bit too much to admit that we've got Maybe it's even something that our thinking mind is like, well, that's not really who you are. Other people have that. You don't have that. It's not okay that you think that about yourself because other people don't see that about you. That's a big one that I go through a lot. The lover says, take that back. Reclaim it. Bring it back into yourself is what winds up happening is that most of us project that out into other people, other things. We look for other people to validate us, to give us what we are incredibly uncomfortable sitting in and considering maybe if no one ever said this about me or gave this to me or validated me in this way, what if I were to give that to myself? And to put it into greater context, the astrological sign that's associated with the lovers is Gemini. Not just Gemini folk, but Gemini energy is so beautifully powerfully detailed and complex. Like we can think about it like a a highly detailed weaving or tapestry. So there's a lot in Gemini about like we start outside and then we weave it back in. And then we like, what is it to be a twin, right? We're working with something outside of ourselves. So the lovers is one of the only tarot cards that specifically positions us to think about how we project, how we transfer, and what it might be like to bring all that stuff that's so easy for us to give away or to see in other people, other things, other places. Consider what it might be like to offer that to ourselves. So I'm feeling that for me. Hopefully that (laughs) that resonates for others. But that's what I got. Does that resonate for you? Oh, big time. Big time. I just recently went into a very an anxious spell that lasted several weeks. I'm so sorry. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it had to do with up-leveling and just a lot of other things. And at the very bottom tail end of the spell, I pulled the lover's card. And I was like, oh, my God, it's golden shadow. I am putting everyone else on these pedestals and I am not bringing myself up on my own pedestal. And that's like the thing in my practice, I always forget. I just always forget about it. <laughs> yeah, I hear me, me too. I think we're, we're not, we're doing ourselves a disservice by believing like, oh, that person must never go through that. It's a lie. They all do. I do. People who are way further than me, whatever you want to call that, further because that's a subjective thing too. Everyone at every place in life struggles with this. You know, it's lifelong work. So really bowing to you and seeing you and up-leveling work. It's no joke. Really is not. It's no joke. (laughs) It's no joke. Yeah. Yeah. So I love that card. So thank you. Thank you. So I'd love to start off our conversation talking about transition. 
because you're in a lot of transition. I guess we're, we're all, I think collectively, we're all in transition, especially right now. But yeah, you recently took a podcast break, which I'm, I was just like, so impressed to see that because to me, I'm like, oh, take a break. What do you mean? It's <laughs> really scary. It's scary. Yeah. And you're experiencing some big life transitions. If you feel called to share, please do. And I'm just curious, how are you processing transition right now? Uh, yeah. So this year has been really interesting, really different. It has been a year from from tip to tush, beginning to probably end. That's just been transition. Logistically, personally, visibly and invisibly, like on the work front, I'm still in a rebrand. Like it's been a year basically, of which is appropriate. It's not a problem that it's taken a year. My business is big and it's got a lot of roots. So it took a lot of time to like get the tree up out of the ground, find out where it liked to be put. And then all of a sudden there was like, oh, there's more stuff. So it's been wild. But today I'm doing great with it. I'm starting to see where things are going a little bit more than I was. I would say up until about a month ago, I was angry. I didn't understand. Still, it felt like everything that I had worked so hard for was kind of lost. I had no idea what I was doing. I worked nonstop through 2020. And at the beginning of 2021, hit a really hard, angry patch of burnout. And it was wonderful to move through that because it clarified for me all of these places where I was overgiving that were unsustainable. In the beginning of June, I went to go do the podcast and it was like as solidly as it could be in my body. I was like, this is done. I have nothing to say. I have nothing to give. And I didn't know if I was ever coming back to it. So I knew enough to know that it was unmistakable. I tried to do the best I could in really explaining honestly to my audience, like, I don't know how long this is going to be. <laughs> like, I don't know what, I don't know what this is. I don't know whether it's goodbye, but it helped me to consider that it could be goodbye. It helped me to actually toss it away, not to be frivolous about it, but to really say like, I don't know if I'll be back. And not two weeks after I went on that break, I found out I was pregnant, which I didn't know when I went on break. And it was the same thing with Instagram. I just heard like, get off, go away. I'm not on Instagram. I create posts. I will sometimes dip in to answer a comment or something, but I never... I haven't like been on the feed unless there's something really specific happening and I want to amplify or understand or learn more about certain things, but I never like go on and just, by the way, there's no problem with that. I just don't. And I'm so glad that I did because my learning, I was pregnant. It was big news. That was huge to go through that. My first trimester was hard. I felt sick and very scared. I don't think we do enough to support our people who are in their first trimester, even doctors, like care professionals, they don't want to have anything to even do with you unless they know they've like, quote, got something, unless they know like your baby is gonna, like, it's, it's really crazy. Like you're just alone in this complete, really death cycle, but because your identity, even that early, you're already in this crazy place of like, what, who am I? What am I doing? And, you know, for me, I have a pretty intense history. Like I'm a, I'm a survivor of abuse that was pre-verbal and there's a lot for me around babies and kids. I love them and I'm, I can't wait to be, to meet my kid, but there was a lot that came up there. So I'm so grateful that I didn't have to be like, I have to do a podcast episode through that. Oh, <laughs> so that's, timing. Yeah. Which I I do think is worthy of mentioning, and sorry if I'm going on forever, but I do think it is worthy of mentioning that I think that there is a, uh, with all due respect, this really core misunderstanding about what we might call intuition, that you always know the why, and you really, I don't think, ever know the why. Like, I didn't know why I had been told to stop. My thinking mind was like, oh, it's because spirit doesn't want me to have like a career anymore. They don't want a place for me to market. I'm done. Nobody cares about me. That's where I went. My job was to sort of honor those feelings and care for them and also be like, I'm not going to do anything. I'm, like, I'm not going to go against my body's no, this greater no. Who knows, you know? And I've learned 
through honoring those enough times now that it's always in my best interest and everyone's best interest if I honor it. And uh, I am sure glad that I did. So I, I feel like the last few months have been some of the greatest transitions of my life and continue to be, but I am a lot more rooted in, like, it feels great to be back on the podcast. It feels like it's fully sunk in that I'm moving into parenthood and I feel actual excitement about it instead of terror, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, something other than terror, I guess, because terror is still a part of it. But um, yeah, I mean, that was my full-time job there for a little while. It was like I was doing my terror for the while. So of course, I'm like managing terror was my full-time job during that time. I'm so curious. Would you be willing to share like a card that you pulled during that transition that you were really working through? There were a lot of fools for the pregnancy, which were very comforting to me. Lots of Hierophant, which made me want to just like flip a table because I was like, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. And a lot of the cards that I was, that I, I pulled were consistently like a blend between like Ace of Cups and Nine of Wands, like rest, just take care, be here. This isn't forever. And then like biggies, like the moon or the Hierophant or the Fool. It was always a little blend of both. Yeah, that sounds about right. Intense, sheer terror. And then also relax. (laughs) Take care of your body. Let us remind you. Wow. Wow. What a big transition. Well, congratulations. I'm so excited for you. Yeah, it's huge. And just to be able to hear you talk about not understanding why intuition strikes and listening to it, I think is so huge. I personally want to invoke more of that in my life. And it's hearing you talk just reminds me of like why I started this podcast. And I feel like my up level has just been on like very different directions. Like, should I try coaching? Should I try doing all this stuff? Like what, how are we going to make this all work? And coming back to that original intuitive hit of like, I'm going to follow my gut. It's telling me to do this just stay with the course and and maybe I don't have to understand it. That's like, that to me is full permission. I never fucking understand. I don't ever <laughs> understand. I I think I think the normalization of that is really important. It's really important. I'm willing to consider there are some people who maybe do understand more or less or whatever, but I never understand. And I think the more I've surrendered to like, that's not a problem, that I'm not going to know the why. Because I used to think I'm not a deep enough intuitive because other people know the why. And then I, I started to understand like, oh, I don't think like anyone, when they're going off the cliff proverbially, I don't think anybody knows the why. So this is actually okay. This is actually a good thing. Like I don't know the why. And at least for me personally, it's been very useful in thinking about like if I am what we would call like a soul or having this human experience. And if really the human experience is to ideally be evolving, growing through discomfort, growing through what we're handed, we never really know why we're handed what we're handed. There's so much unfairness and so much we don't understand. Certainly when I acknowledge this is absolutely an invitation to go off the cliff and I don't know why, it allows for an opening for all of my stuff to come up, which is the point, which allows me to reparent and to honor. And I know a lot of folks talk about like doing underworld work and shadow work or whatever it might be. And it's like, I don't think you have to reach for that. It's right there. If you're honoring those calls to say yes to what feels like, whoa, (laughs) that's a big deal. It'll come right up your stuff about like, I'm going to fail. This isn't fair. I can't. Why don't I know? Am I going to be okay? Like it's right there. Like that's, I think the difference between the thinking mind leading soul work and the soul leading soul work is when you let the soul lead soul work, it's a lot scarier. And there's a lot more like, oh my God, will I like survive this step off the cliff? And you get to do all this work on things that I think a lot of people assume like I have to go and work on this 
so I can leap off the cliff, but it's the opposite. The leap off the cliff allows for the stuff to come up. I mean, it's a spiral process. It just is, you know, and it's not a problem. That's the point, I think, anyway, personally. I love that. I like that because it's <laughs> it's just it's part of the process. It's not it's not the end goal. It's just it's part of like the natural the unfolding, the opening. I love that. Oh, so beautiful. So, you touched on this a little bit and something that I love hearing you say is that you're a joyous, joyful survivor of abuse. That has given me so much inspiration to look at the gifts that I learned from my own child um, trauma hunt. And I'm so curious, how have you used tarot to heal from chronic pain, stories of child abuse, and the PTSD? Well, I thank you, first of all, and bowing to your experiences as well. I have not healed from those things, uh, but tarot has been a tool to help me me to get a little closer to like the brilliant core of the pain without losing myself in it. So the way that I teach and approach the tarot is directly informed by those things because I, I, my abuse started pre-verbally and like the madness in my house was from the day I was born, before I was born. So I didn't ever know anything different other than chaos and violence. And, um, and so my, my nervous system and my, my trauma has always been very heightened. Now it's much better, but it's, it's still there. And tarot has been in my life since I was 12 or 13 years old. And so it's always been a tool that I can't really explain why I've just understood. I I always understood that I could, it could not tell me what was going to happen, but it could help me to be with what was. And then the older I got and the worse my post-trauma got, the more intense it got. It eventually led to a breakdown, which um, pivoted me onto this path, which was unexpected. (laughs) I, again, thought my life was completely over, but here we are. (laughs) And I know that that's not everyone's experience, by the way. At that point, it then became about like, what can I do? Like, how can I help this part of me? Like, what, is there anything I can offer? What can I, what can I offer my attention to as my mind is pivoting me in a million different directions. So there was a specific way that I was able to plug the key into the door that helped with trauma and certainly helped with reparenting myself after experiencing such severe abuse. Now, chronic pain, that was uh, very similarly the recognition that I couldn't ever know when it was going to necessarily, when the flare was going to come down, when I was going to feel better. Tarot helped me to honor my outrage and fury and grief around experiencing chronic pain. It helped me to zero in on the love and the care that I could offer to myself, the aligned action I could take, whether that was as simple as like, okay, I've had this blinding tension headache for... (laughs) three days now. Where do I go? Where do I take this? It, it doesn't tell you what to do, but it, for me, is again, a tool inside of many different tools that could help me be with. And uh, I very rarely ask, like, what is this here to teach me? I used to ask that more and I never do. It's interesting. But um, mainly what I'm asking is, what am I being invited to do? How am I being invited to serve? How am I being invited to offer my attention to this? And a lot of the time, it's very simple. It is like a nine of wands. It is like a rest. It is pause. It is hang. There's no, again, reason. So everything I do with tarot is about like starting with what's here, not necessarily what's to come or what is out there, what could be, because I think it's it all, is, is all really right here. So that. That I'm definitely not, I've not used it to heal, but it's been a tremendous tool for deepening my capacity to be with what is. That's so beautiful. And I'm so curious, 
Could you talk a little bit about kind of the healing process? Because the first thing you said is I haven't healed from this. So I'd love to hear more about what the healing process looks like to you. Well, I mean, I, I, I certainly have healed from it. I just don't think I'm healed, <laughs> you know, because it's just like there's a million layers. The real crux of my healing process was when I had absolutely no money and no ability to help myself through paid means. There was a lot of help that I got from mindfulness, specifically that Tara Brock talks about, because Tara Brock does speak quite a lot about utilizing mindfulness for discomfort, for pain, for dying, for anxiety. And I came into her work when I was about 25 years old. I would say Tara Brock's work is probably consciously and unconsciously the biggest inspiration because that was the first time I was like, oh, you could like not gloss over all of these incredibly hard things and find your way into them or around them or next to them. And so that was the first thing that helped. And then there were other things that followed, but my healing process has honestly really looked like hugely illuminating, transformative work with my teacher, Michelle, who does a lot of tremendously deep work. Michelle's a former therapist who now offers sort of more, I would not call it she does coaching necessarily, but we could say it's somewhere in that realm. And my therapist, really just like incredibly intensive therapy. <laughs> That's been like the, the number one thing. And of course, in the Tara Brock days, like Tara was enormous. That was sometimes like the only thing helping me when I was on the line and it was one side of the line or the other side of the line. Sometimes it really was just that connection to what spirit meant to me and pulling a card or not even pulling a card, but like thinking of a card, which is what tarot anchoring is, which is a practice that I teach people. You don't need to pull a card to like bring one up in your mind that feels particularly comforting or reminds you of your truth or that you, nothing is permanent. So it's been long. Um, a huge part of it for me, if we're talking about healing, a necessary step was that I had to cut off from my family completely for a little while. I still don't have any contact with the abuser in my family, the main sort of cause of the chaos, um, which feels just right. <laughs> and uh, and then eventually uh, it was a realization that I, I needed to move away from the area because I grew up in New Jersey. So it wasn't, um, I don't think like we have to, but there was a very after a while it was like oh this is this is all kind of connected i grew up going to the city all the time and lived in brooklyn like it's time to physically be elsewhere and since moving i would say that there's probably been the greatest acceleration of truly making space in my nervous system the last year and i'm still very much on the road you know to feeling my way back into or feeling my way into <laughs> like yeah, comfort and safety, but cannot advocate for therapy enough, especially if you've had the kind of stuff I've had, like, ooh, you know, no substitute for that. Yeah, I mean, none at all. So I recognize therapy is a huge privilege and not everybody can afford it. But I think uh, if, if one can, if one can find someone, if one has someone, it's a big journey to find the right therapist. I'm very lucky that I have, but it's been very helpful. That's amazing. Totally worth the time and effort to find the right one. I um, joke all the time that I should send a big fat therapy invoice to my lovely parents <laughs> for all the beautiful experiences that I get to unpack for the rest of my life. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Someday, maybe I'll, maybe I'll work up the courage to send that invoice. We'll see. <laughs> I would love yeah. to know about it if you ever do. <laughs> I'll follow up. Yeah. I would love to. <laughs> well, thank you for sharing that. This is to me one of the most important things. Yeah. To me, it's one of the most important things to talk about because I think that there's a tendency in families and situations with abuse to hide it and and keep it in the dark. And I just, it's so important to me to bring these conversations out into the light, onto the microphone. <laughs> um, so thank you. And hearing you speak about it, it's just, it gives me so much inspiration on my own journey. 
Hey there. I hope you're enjoying this week's episode. I know I am. If you're enjoying the Lit AF podcast, I humbly ask you to make a financial contribution to the Lit AF tip jar. Your support will help make this podcast happen. Financial contributions help to cover costs like podcast hosting site, podcast recording software, and it also helps us to pay our amazing, talented podcast editor that brings us these sweet episodes every single week. Monthly and one-off donation options are available, and we've got some sweet thank you gifts for everyone participating. If you're interested in making your financial contribution, please visit sarahcohan.com forward slash tip jar. That's S-A-R-A-H-C-O-H-A-N.com forward slash tip jar. Now back to this week's episode. Thank you so much. So... One of my favorite things that you teach is that the tarot is for us and not to us. Tell us more about that. So that's one of the core pillars of soul tarot, which is the kind of tarot I've developed and I teach. How I can contextualize this is that, and I want to start by just offering immense respect to everyone who has sort of come before me and paved the way to make tarot accessible and possible and I do have respect for that, but I am sort of going to stick my finger in that a bit as well. There is, I think in a way that we're not even fully aware of, there's so much quiet oppression and harm in a great deal of the way we learn tarot in a traditional sense. I think even the books that are doing their fucking damnedest to break out of that, I will sometimes still read them and think, hmm, you didn't go quite far enough with this one. You know, there's there's so much about capitalistic structure, about systems of oppression. There's so much erasure, even in, like, that's why I specifically said The Lovers is not about relationships, because when we speak about it in that way, we're leaving out aromantic people, asexual folks. We're leaving out people who just, that's not even in their life. We're erasing them. And we don't think about that because that's how understood it is. That's how automatic it is. And that's how much patriarchal shit has wormed its way into the tarot that we think like, oh, this person is an expert. They know. And we don't think we can question them. Tarot is an interpretive tool, which means that we all learn from one another. And the, the, the work we do is to look to it consistently as the teacher, not as not to the teacher to teach us. A good teacher can help us go, fuck, I never really thought about that or can help us to go. And one of my favorite things that my students will sometimes say to me is like, I don't agree with you. I'm like, wonderful. I would not expect you to. But I know the fact that they feel the freedom to be like, I don't agree. Here's what I think shows me that I'm on the right track with what I'm doing. Because if there's, if there's any kind of structure where someone feels like, fuck, I like don't agree with Lindsay, but I don't feel okay. Is there something wrong with me? And I'm sure that comes up for folks, but it's, I feel pretty confident in saying it's not anything I'm specifically steering them toward. I think we all have those internalized things. So in answer to your question, most of what we read in tarot books, on tarot blogs, not with everyone, but a lot of people doing the good work out there who have really done their work to unpack this. Most of what we read is tarot happening to you. You pull a card, it knows something about what's going to happen to you that you don't know. Or there's an indication that you do not have free will, that the future is somehow fixed, and that this is a thing that you're barreling toward, and it's bad. And there are good cards, and there are bad cards, and there are shitty pulls, and there are good pulls. And it doesn't make any sense to me, and it never has, not even when I was younger. When I think what is very useful is to consider, nobody has to believe me or buy into it or agree, 
to consider that every card is coming to the door with some kind of gift, something for you rather than to you. And that one consideration can completely untie a knot, can completely twist, untwist us. Now, I'm not saying that we're going to like it all. Do we like everything in life? We do not. Is every flower, every medicine, every herb sweet? No. There's a lot of bitter herbs. There's a lot of herbs that don't smell very good. There's a lot of herbs that we think like, oh, there's poison plants. There's all kinds of different things, right? When we approach it all with respect, when we understand, like, this is the kind of experience that I'm having here, we can acknowledge that, like, yes, the tower is formidable. It's a bitter medicine, right? It's, it's potent. Even when the tower comes up and is real soft, like a brush from a little cat, because it can come up that way. It doesn't, it's not always like a, a bomb hitting your house. It can sometimes be just like a realization. And you just think like, whoa, or you can pull it and think like, oh yeah, I can see like that's sort of the road I'm on, but it's not really, there's all different kinds of tower experiences. But there are times, of course, when like the whole house comes down and like the basement gets cleaved open and like there's nothing left but a pit. And I've had those experiences a couple of times. And I can say that while I'm not, I didn't never want to bypass anyone's experience or their suffering, I've never had a tower experience that hasn't been for me ever. Most people, with all due respect, some people really speak to this, and it's so beautiful and inspiring. Many people miss that the tower, it's not trying to get at you. It's not trying to fuck you. The medicine of tower is for you. Because typically we're building these towers on top of some kind of foundation that's not quite fully sound. And we can spend our whole lives trying to like retrofit the tower so that we don't really have to raise it. No one wants to raise the tower. Everyone's allowed to be like, fuck you. Like, fuck this. Like, I hate it. Why? And yet years go by and we think, thank fucking God. That was so exhausting. That was so tiring. Like, look at the life I've built. Look at the towers that are now on this sacred ground within me. They're sturdy. I don't have to think about them like pitching over. That's tower for you. It's just a little tweak. It's not being overly positive or anything. I think it's actually being more realistic and really just opening to the fact that we don't have to like everything, but definitely every card comes up for us. Now, I still have experiences where I'm like, ugh, you know, where I'm just like, get the fuck out of here. I don't want to be in this. <laughs> but um, they all want to bring medicine, all of them. And because tarot is interpretive, it's very easy to see. It's very easy to see because it is an interpretive art. Most people, if they are really extreme or doom and gloom or really like this is happening to you, this is what it is. A lot of people apply this to Three of Swords specifically. I, I find that like a heartbreak of a trail is going to happen. I'm like, how do you know? You can't know that. <laughs> Really what makes more sense is that we're all heartbroken. Grief is right here. We don't, we're, no situation required. What happens in Three of Swords is typically that there's a wound in the heart that the thinking mind is trying desperately to keep us out of. It's trying to put us into like, you should pop off at that person. You should say something. You should fix it. You should figure out what to do. We've all been there. And then when you actually let that fog clear, what you have are all these swords in the heart and once you actually pull them out and start tending to the wound, it's so intense. That's the sword journey. It's like how does the thinking mind attempt to protect us from the deeper stuff and from the stuff we'd really rather not confront or go into? So the swords are for us. A hundred fucking percent, they're for us. Yeah, that was long, but I, I stand by it. It was Thanks. so beautiful. <laughs> yeah, it's a I, big, me, it's a big untying. It's a big untying. It oh, to me, it opens up the entire deck. 
I'm and glad it, to it, hear that. Yeah, it's like a, it's like, it, 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 there's no more fear tied to pulling a card to me. <laughs> My trigger cards <laughs> are actually like the Nine of Cups, or the, or sorry, the Ten of Cups, or the I like get Nine it. of Pentacles. And yes. I'm like, how can I yeah. see the good stuff in this? You know, <laughs> that's I that's really my do. that's my tarot reading. <laughs> but it's it it makes it that I'm not afraid to pull a card, and then when I do pull a sword, some of my absolute favorite cards, I can see the medicine. Like I can see. I'm so glad. And yeah, it's just it's almost like a, the a, a warm hug or like kind of the illumination of a path to me rather than fear and um, just like <laughs> constantly like uh, th- overthinking something that's going to happen the- in the future. Totally. I'm, I'm so glad that you feel that way and you are speaking to something that I think is my most passionate intention actually in I think it would be easy for a lot of people to assume like, oh, these pillars of soul tarot, because there are a couple like they're the end all be all and like they're not. They are a blueprint for if you want to build your own house of tarot, they'll help you to build the foundation on a house that you'll never have to really think about. And the most exciting thing for me is that when people start to think about like, oh, these cards are for me they will drop my interpretation or other people's interpretations and will start thinking about like, actually, this is how the moon lives in me because everyone has their own medicine to offer. That's, I think, been inadvertently completely blocked. That's why we always look to like, what does this person say? What does that person say? What's the right interpretation? When I'm not, not, I mean, I'm a tarot teacher, like I'm not knocking the profession at all, but I do think it's, it's really only to give you a, a, tr- a place to bounce off of. And then after that, you have wings, you can fly. I love hearing about that. It does let the nervous system fall open a little bit and we can, we start to build deeper trust and we start to think like, great, this person can say whatever they want to say about a card. Like, I can consider it, but I'm rooted in my own knowing and my own relationship with this card. Like that's my starting point. That's where I'm at right now. I'm still in the phase of when I hear other people read and I disagree. I'm like, you're wrong. Like that's not right. I'm totally so valid. I, yeah, but how do you how do you make room for for the other interpretations? I'm so curious. Well, I think for me, it's two things. First of all, when an interpretation hits me right even when it's not one that I would ever have thought of or I've ever even considered, I am, I'm just pleased. It makes me so happy. I, I'm assuming that what you're talking about is when someone speaks about a card in a way that like hits some dissonance within you that you're just like, absolutely not. So what I typically do in those moments is my uh inner like check-in is so strong and rooted inside of me that I feel very comfortable being like that's not my truth because again like we're all we're human I'm not discounting like the harm the violence that can happen with readings like that and I do think if it's extensive enough we are uh bill of rights for tarot readers you can always fucking tell your or tarot recipients, you can always tell your tarot reader, that felt really harmful to me. Just so you know, they don't have any more power. They, there is an inherent power dynamic, but they're a person just like you. Like it just happens to be that they're in a position of power, but that doesn't mean that you can't tell them or advocate for yourself or walk away that can, or move away. It depends, right? Like sometimes if I'm getting a reading like that, it happens very rarely. Like I will walk away. Well, I think so. I feel like complete, you know, and I'll just walk the fuck away. Or if I really, if I hear someone talking about something um, and I'm in a position to teach them, I might come in and say, are you open to some possible thoughts around this? And then I, I may offer them a little bit, but yeah, like mainly if it has nothing to do with me and if it's not directed at me, how I handle it is I go, that's as far as they've gone in their own work around this. And it's not a dig. It's just like, 
I look back at things that I used to say about certain tarot cards maybe two years ago, three, four, five years ago, and I think like that's as far as I was. Now I would never say that. <laughs> I would never think that. We grow. That's what being a hierophant is. You know, we're all connected to the divine and we're like human. We have biases. We have, we have places where we can't quite, uh, we don't have the full context yet. We're always learning. Like, so, you know, it's very easy for me to sniff out someone that I'm like, okay, that's as far as they've gone on that. Cool. I don't need to take it on. That, that has to do, that's their limitation. It has nothing to do with me. You know what I mean? I think a lot of people don't assume that they can do that or feel that way because they're like, well, this person knows more than me. They don't know shit. And I say that as a former reader, like I only know what I'm being guided to know in the moment, but the future isn't fixed. Everything changes and we have free will. So we're allowed to be like, thanks, but no thanks. You know, but no thanks. And, and give feedback to our reader. I love that. That's huge. Oh yeah. Big time. Big time. Absolutely. Yeah. Big time. I was just in a group reading and someone mentioned that they were afraid of getting a tarot reading because someone told them, someone gave them a very negative reading about, you know, their life being doomed. I can't remember the exact words, but. God. I just, what? (laughs) Should be outlawed. I agree. I completely agree. Like so much harm. Yeah, that is so harmful. And she carried that. She carried that. Of course. When you hear someone say that to you, again, the the power dynamic inside of readings. I used to tell my students when I actually was uh, doing things about like reading for people, which I may or may not bring back, like somebody actually makes it to your reading, whether they've admitted it or not, or whether they're aware of it or not, they have, they have placed the most profound vulnerable trust in you and you better damn well think hard about what you're saying because and again like we don't always get it right I can look back at readings where I just think like wow that I'm so sorry I ever said that or so sorry I ever spoke to this thing going on in this person's life not because they had a harmed response to it or I felt them in the moment bristle but because I just would never speak on it. You know, now knowing what I know, making mistakes is, is unfortunately with all things, it happens. You know, ideally we're learning and making our life a living amends, but it's a horse of a different color to be like, your life is doomed. Like, please, the fuck out of here. Sorry. <laughs> I don't know if cursing is okay, but. Oh, big time. Get the heck out of here. Yeah. <laughs> We'll be nice yeah. to you, I guess. <laughs> uh, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. It's it it I think it's important to say because of of the it's really what you started by saying of how the tarot is for us. And and something you say all the time too is that if it's not for all of us, then it's for none of us. Yeah. And I just I love that because it's another tool to live in a very radically inclusive um, way, method. I think so. I think so. Speaking of inclusivity, (laughs) (laughs) your work is incredibly inclusive. I'm so curious. How do you approach including inclusivity into your teachings? I feel like it's an ever-evolving process. Because again, I, I can look back at teachings at podcast episodes from four, four or five years ago and think like, Ooh, wow, that is so different <laughs> from, what I, from what I feel and, and believe now. I don't know how or why it matters to me. It really matters to me. So um, I'm not fixed in my view on the tarot. So um, my life and my absorption of life directly informs how I teach and how I see the cards and how I see what's possible. And I think just through my process in the last couple of years of reading and learning and unlearning, my view on the cards have changed. And once I started to teach, which happened in 2017, that was really like when I did my first course, I had the privilege of 
doing so in a group of folks who said, hey, Lindsay, like, have you ever considered like not talking about how this card relates to this feminine thing? Because I don't really feel seen in it. Or I would read other folks saying, I, I will never forget this, that one of the first times I did this course, you know, I used to teach the fool because this was the most I knew of it as like a leap and, um, you know, that, that's which is a perfectly respectable thing. But I remember making a comment about it that was like, oh, the fool's like a gap year. And, you know, it's like taking this big leap of faith. And I'll never forget a black student in my group was like, I don't see myself in the fool because I've never been afforded privileges like the fool can have. That started me thinking about, oh, yeah, of course. And so then once that was sort of gone, it created a blank slate for the fool to come through in an even deeper way, not just in terms of greater inclusion, but me, like my own journey with it. So I'm sort of all over the place with this answer, but I think how I've approached it is just that I care enormously. It's probably the most important thing to me that I never get it perfect. I never get it right, but that I'm really thinking outside of my own experience, my own binaries in my life, my own perspectives as much as possible. I'll never be able, that's why it's so important to lift up and to support and to amplify the voices and the perspectives of readers who are not necessarily sharing my worldviews as a white person or as a person who has had access to privileges that other people have not. But there are just other things that have always, I had to get a little braver to be more open about them. But eventually I just started to not really give a shit. And I was just like, can we talk about the fact that the Empress is not at its core, a female or woman identified person. It's not a person to begin with. It could be that for you if that's what resonates. But what what is it really, right? What is it? Let's go deeper. It's the same thing with the lovers. We're not saying it can't be but we're saying it's not at the not at the root. So it's been something that has come from a mixture of my own dedication to learning more and expanding my own understanding as a human, the incredibly invaluable feedback from my students. Sometimes it's not even like them telling me like, hey, Lindsay, it's me observing what they're writing in the group and being like, whoa, I never even thought of this. And then next year it's different. I do absorb in that way very quickly. That's like, oh my gosh, that is a, a hole in my own awareness. And it's not like it's it's like the, the old thing is erased and there's like a new thing that I just drop in. It will start a process of me sort of completely reshaping my relationship with a card and what's possible with it. So I'm thinking about it in a different way without taking the student's view on it, but also just being aware of how it might impact students who come from that place. Just consistent education in various places. So I don't know. That's really all I can say. It's just been years of of dedication to it. It almost sounds like in teaching, you're learning more about how other people are reading the cards versus doing readings. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. Teaching is the greatest. It's the It's, I love it so much, so, so much. And it's wonderful to be able to be in that kind of space and that kind of container with folks. And I remember in the first few years that I was teaching, it was a little bit more of a rough curve where it it was like hundreds of people who would be like, hey, I don't agree, or hey, I don't really feel seen in this, or hey, and it was... From the very beginning, I I always had a note in my courses that was like, if I mess up, if I don't get something right, I'll always admit it, acknowledge it publicly, be transparent about it. And I think that that always, that fostered trust in a large core of my audience, because that that always has been the commitment, that if there's a fuck up of some kind or a lack of awareness on my part, there's going to be a commitment to recentering in the future. But, oh yeah, it's it's... Yeah. And you can't go through what we've gone through the last, 
I mean, it's been hundreds of years, but it's not possible to have gone through what we've gone through specifically in the last five or six without, you have to really be committed to not evolving, (laughs) to like not think about your relationship to the tools that you use and how you're viewing them. So yeah. Okay. So I would love to hear about your new offering, Heart of Service. Oh, yes. So this will be the second year that I'm doing Heart of Service, but this is sort of Heart of Service 2.0. A lot of the lessons are updated. There's new lessons, blah, blah, blah. Heart of Service is a seven-week tarot mentorship for folks who are desiring to shift into or deepen into Spirit-led, soul-guided service. So this is for anyone. This is for people who own businesses. This is for people who want to have a business. This is for people who have practices that they're not charging for yet, but maybe would like to consider doing so. This is for creatives, artists, lawyers, activists, everyone, all of the above and none of the above, parents. Any, We are all of service in one way, shape, or form. And for anybody who is desiring to have a way more deeper connection to their own sort of sacred offering, to how they can serve, to what ways service naturally flows through them, and more specifically, how they cannot give that away or over give it or learn to pause when maybe there's an impulse to give, but we really need to rest. The course is structured around there's first week is sort of an introduction to this idea of serving through a spiralic rhythm rather than a linear one, what it is to kind of open to our idea of spirit and how to let ourselves be vessels to, which is just, again, like a little tweak to sort of the more traditional view of like how to start work, how to make money, how to, if we don't really go through a ton of that, it really has more to do again with the foundation. And then for the next five weeks, I talk a lot about kind of the seasonal flow of our businesses and our service, that there's gestation periods, there are birth creation periods, there are integration periods, there are transition periods, there are death periods. So each of the weeks of the course, there's five weeks, we'll spend time in those, we'll, you know, in our gestation period, we'll talk about what it is to not blow all of our energy or push something, how to be with the gestation and the birth creation week. We'll talk about like how to take care of your body so you can keep up with that kind of pace, that sort of thing. And then in the last week, we'll sort of cap it. So it's it's really just this lovely journey through what it is if we really want to be of service in this way that is really authentically guided by ourselves, not what what this person's doing or what we think we should be doing, but really what we're being called to do, learning how to honor the season we're in. And then tarot comes into it because we're looking at anchors to help support that. So what are the anchors in the tarot? that can help us to really trust in our gestation seasons and the medicine it brings. What are the, you know, I, I love this course and have such a blast teaching it. It was so fun to do it last year. And this year the format's slightly different. So it feels a lot more exciting to see how it's evolved. So that's a long description of it, but yeah, that's hard of service. I can't wait. I will, I plan to attend. And I'm, so I'm really excited. You. Yeah, yeah. I've learned so much from Lindsay about connecting to spirit. So I'm really excited to see what this container be, and especially in my business. I'm really excited. That's awesome. Yeah. So if you're interested in signing up, I'm going to include a little link in bio. And I'm offering for anyone that uses the code LITAF at checkout, I will also be adding a 50-minute unblocking session. And I think this will be really fun, especially for creatives. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So I'll work with you to figure out kind of just what's unblocking you from really expressing your true authentic self or showing up in the exact way that you want to be. And if anyone is interested in following along with what you're up to, how can they come find you? So they can, I'm not on Instagram a ton, but they can follow me on Instagram at wild soul healing. 
uh, usually make announcements that are relevant to what's up with me on my podcast, Tarot for the Wild Soul, so they can subscribe or listen. Um, my websites are lindsaymack.com and tarotforthewildsoul.com. And you can sign up for my newsletter there. That's really where you'll get the scoop. Good stuff. Uh, I think that's it. Amazing. Lindsay, thank you so much for being here today. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. I've loved our conversation. That's it for today's show. Thank you so, so, so much for listening. I really hope you enjoyed. If you have a moment and you're in the Apple Podcast app, please rate and review the show. I could really use all the ratings I can get. And please share this episode with a friend that may benefit from it. Of course, hit subscribe to keep up with new weekly episodes. And if you're interested in supporting the show and being part of the Lit AF community, join our Patreon by visiting sarahcohan.com forward slash tip jar. That's S-A-R-A-H-C-O-H-A-N.com forward slash tip jar. Thank you again for listening. Please stay lit, lit AF, and I hope to see you back here next week.